It worked. <laughs> it's so weird. A lot of people tell me they have that problem. They can't find my pro. <laughs> what a day, right? <laughs> yeah, your volume cut out. If you want, okay, I was going to say, um, hop out and come back in. Hi, everyone. So we are just going to wait a little bit for Melissa. Thank you so much for coming over from beyond the aisle over to Joy B. We're having some technical difficulties. It's so funny because I know I was trying to, like, tag her profile, and I could not find it. And apparently she's been going through this issue that I know we had at one point in time where people couldn't find us and looked like we had blocked people. But it's just a glitch with Instagram. So hopefully we can get her back. Um, so that we can continue this. But please, please, please just send everybody all over from beyond the aisle to here that we're going to have our conversations here tonight. You're back. Yay, I'm back. Hopefully I have no more issues. Like, I've been going through this for so long. I need to talk to Instagram and see if we can figure this whole situation out. Yeah, because it's just crazy. But I know, like I said, I'll share with them before that we had gone through a little bit where it looked like we had blocked people. Because when you go to some people's pages, it looks blank. So yeah. I can see you on my personal page, but I can't see you on like our nonprofit page. So it's like, that's crazy. But yeah, I'm just so excited. We're here. It's okay. We're going to just kind of move through the whole conversation. Again, everyone, thank you so much for joining. If you were initially at the Beyond the Owl page, if you just kind of share the flyer, have people move over to this page. I lost her again. That would be great. But tonight, uh, the conversation we wanted to really hone in on is um, Jesus and therapy. How do you support your, a spouse who's going through mental illness? And we actually have Melissa, so hopefully she's able to join back in so that we can continue the conversation around that. But we want to really do a little bit of unpacking in terms of, you know, what can you do if your spouse has mental illness? How do you take care of yourself if you're the caretaker? How do you continue to have conversations around a very, very sensitive topic? Um, full disclosure, I'm a first-generation Ghanaian, um, and early on today, we were having a conversation about, you know, how hard it is for people to accept or even acknowledge mental health. So tonight, I want to kind of just talk about that with Melissa, and yeah, hope you stick around, invite a friend to come over and join the conversation. Welcome back, Melissa. Hey, I hope that it works this time. I don't know why Instagram does not want me to be great today. I just don't like it. Uh, hopefully, everything works out. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know it's probably supposed to be really a conversation exactly. somebody so it's just trying to like just disruption but exactly. we're gonna pray that everything goes well and that we continue yeah. to move forward but yeah so yeah, welcome melissa um Thank yeah, you. Kind of, yeah i kind of briefed everybody on what our topic for today is some of the things that we really want to delve into so if you just want to introduce yourself who you are and I always like to give people a challenging question. So in regards to just what you do, what has been the most impactful thing for you in regards to what you do? I'm going to start with that first before I introduce myself. I think probably the most impactful thing that I've done is actually watch people's lives change for the better. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times I encounter clients who feel like this is it. This is what it's going to be. There's no, you know, positive outcome that's going to come with this and um just watching them being able to change their mindsets which is a huge thing for 2021 to be honest because after last year a lot of people have been doubting a lot of stuff because it just seems impossible because of all of what we're 
through. But watching people switch their mindset and, you know, look at things from a positive perspective and apply uh, tools that they probably didn't know about before and watching them just grow is, that's pay enough for me. That's satisfaction. (laughs) So to to introduce myself to your audience, hi guys, my name is Melissa Walker. I am a relationship coach uh, who's also studying to become a marriage and family therapist. Uh, (laughs) I am going to be graduating soon. I just want to put it there because I feel like I need a break. So (laughs) I think it's that last phase of grad school where you're just like, you know what? Oh. If I just quit now, I need to get ahead just a little bit, oh, but yeah. I, I, I need like, I need like five minutes. I need like five, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so uh, yeah, like um, my specialty, my, um, what is that word? Um, my concentration is actually in couples therapy. So I do have a lot of experience um, working with couples. So as I said before, right now, I am a coach, a relationship coach. And a lot of people don't know the difference. Like, what's a coach? What's a therapist? Aren't they the same? No, they're not the same. A coach, I help people uh, meet goals that they set for themselves, for their relationships, for their marriages. Whereas a therapist deals with more emotional issues, trauma, more so things that have happened in the past. Um, and uh, the purpose is to try to find a solution to either live with the the uh, issue or to correct it. I'm sorry, if you hear a different accent, it's because I'm Jamaican and I don't know how to shut it off. <laughs> It's okay. I'm Ghanaian, and once in a while, I think I'm speaking English. Everybody's like the accent, and I'm like, I don't know where it came from, but here we are. So it's fine. So that's just a little bit about me. Um, I'm happy to be here. Jesus and therapy are probably my two favorite things in the whole wide world. Um, uh, before even I was, um, before I even got into therapy or started liking therapy, I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised Pentecostal, like real strict old school Pentecostal, no perm, no earrings, no pants, oh. no nails, like, yeah, you know, uh, but we've progressed a lot over the years. I think I, I came, I came at the progression phase where it's like, okay, we can do these things now, but yeah. yeah. So uh, Jesus is definitely my foundation. I love God, as Mary Mary would say. <laughs> um, um, you know, I believe that he is a fa- our foundation and contrary to what a lot of churches used to preach, um, therapy is just as important as having a relationship with God. I believe that God gave people uh, the wisdom and the intelligence to be able to help people when they have these kind of mental issues or they have issues in their relationships. So I don't frown on therapy. I support it just as much as I push for Jesus. And I think it's a useful tool to have in every relationship. And I'm so glad you said that. And just in terms of just the whole misconception that people have, mm-hmm. right? And it's so funny how now, like, everywhere you turn, you're hearing the term Jesus and therapy, Jesus and therapy, Jesus and therapy. But back in the day, not, like, I graduated from my MFT program in 2012. And I remember what really pushed me to go to therapy was I just saw around me how people did not want to talk about therapy. And again, my specialization and focus is in couples. And most times it was like, yeah, it was like couples would have issues that I'm like, okay, 
we need to talk about this, you know, but it was, it was, it was shamed. It was not discussed. And then even to the magnitude of sometimes you're in a marriage and your spouse is dealing with mental illness, like depression, anxiety. Um, let's not even do the, the extremes, right? The schizophrenia, the bipolar, let's not do those. Let's just do the most commonly ones that we see in terms of mental illness and depression, excuse me, in terms of depression and anxiety. And nobody wants to have these conversations because it is so taboo. And then yes. here enters the church, right? And it's like, oh, but you're a believer. You cannot have these things or you cannot think that you need to see somebody. You just need to pray a little bit more. And I'm like, I don't think there's anything wrong with praying, but I just think that there's also solutions that we can add to that process as we go through that season. But yeah, I'm excited for a great conversation. Just really quick, welcome everybody who's joined us. Thank you so much. If you came from beyond the aisle to here, I apologize. We've been having some crazy stuff going on today with all the technology. Um, so today we're talking about Jesus and therapy and how to support a spouse through mental illness. So before we even move forward, I think most times there's this ideology that mental health and mental illness are the same thing. Is it being right? I hear people use this so interchangeably that I just think like, let's start there. What is the difference between mental health and mental illness? Well, um, before I answer that, I wanted to just backtrack into uh, what you were talking about earlier about uh, how the church would view um, therapy and the, the taboo that was in the church. It was more of a cultural thing in the sense that uh, we looked at mental health as, okay, whatever goes on in your house stays behind closed doors, so to speak. And if you were in the church, especially if you were in some kind of ministry, it was like, are having any kind of issues then you're not praying enough or you're not fasting properly or you know you're not living right you know something must be wrong with your walk with god it's not where it's supposed to be and that's why you're having these issues mm. so just like how they would say and i know this is kind of off topic but just like how the church would say you'd have to pray the gay away it's kind of the same thing when it came on to, it comes on to um therapy or having any kind of issues in your marriage and I found it so ironic because the church endorses marriage. They push for you to get married. But once you're married, there's nobody there to teach you how to maintain your marriage. No one there to teach you how, what to do when you're in a situation. And another thing they don't realize is that, and I, I despise it. I do not like when people run to the pastor with their business. I don't like it because the pastor is not trained in some cases i would say some not all the pastor is not trained the pastor does not know how to approach situations and in the event that they see that something is wrong instead of encouraging their people to go to therapy and solve the problem they give them some hogwash kind of you know information oh you need to go fast and pray that's your husband okay so what if he's hitting you like you know forgive him and no rubbish so my suggestion and i'll always say unless your pastor is a licensed counselor a licensed mental health uh, therapist, stop telling the pastor your business. Cut it out. It's just ridiculous. I find it so hard to understand. Like, we become so trusting in our pastors, which is not a bad thing, but that's not everything. You wouldn't go to your pastor and ask him how to get, um, you know, a 5% on your savings account, like, you know, 5% interest. You wouldn't go to your pastor and ask him, um, what's going on with you with gyn issues like why you got to bring everything to your pastor it's not about your pastor at this point you need your past your pastor for spiritual guidance and as it pertains to issues where your marriage is concerned go find a therapist and stop with the crap like seriously you want your marriage to work you need to see a therapist straight up 
And to answer the question, <laughs> so mental no, illness. I, I, I have so many personal thoughts on that, that, you know, <laughs> it's like, I definitely got I know I trigger a lot of people. I, I, I should come with like a warning label, a big old yellow tape, because I don't mix my words. I keep it straight. I, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I'm going to give it to you straight. You know, so you but said you make, but before you jump, I think you make a really good point about how you wouldn't go to your past and ask them for financial advice as to where to invest. Right. You wouldn't go to your past if you haven't gotten a school issue. So it's about that. Yes, there they are some ministers who are trained, right? Because they may go to, you know, um, pastoral counseling and they get the information in that way. But I think that most times, and I don't know, I can speak for maybe culturally, like I said, I'm Ghanaian, first generation. So most times we are taught to put our entire trust in our ministers. Everything mm -hmm. is our pastors. And I think sometimes just even sitting from that seat and seeing all the stuff they have to go through, that's a lot to have to deal with everybody else's problem. And sometimes I ask myself, who are they talking to? Well, that's a whole different conversation that I didn't want to have. Talking to Jesus, girl. And talking to Jesus. Which is, which is totally fine. I'm not opposed to that. But at some point in time, it's like you have conversations and it's just like, this is a heavy load to carry on your own. And, you know, yes, we believe that God gives strength, but I also believe that God gave people as community, right? And that that is such an important thing that sometimes many of us miss. But you have a good point. Like, I wouldn't go see my doctor if I, I wouldn't go see my pastor. I knew the, uh, had a question about gynecological issues, or if I wanted to invest, I would go to the, the people who are trained to do that to be able to help it. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I just want to caveat that I think that there's also this misconception, right? I was, I think I was speaking somewhere, and people did not know that they're Christian therapists. That's that <laughs> that 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 was a whole phenomenon within yeah. itself, and I'm just like, yes, there are people who are believers who are going to you know, do therapy from the standpoint of what they believe, right? And they're going to mix it again with what we've learned in school. But because our faith leads us in those conversations, it's going to be different. And I think that's what we also need to keep educating people. Like, if you want to go to therapy and you're a Christian and you're afraid, there are Christian therapists out there. Maybe take a little bit of researching to find one that fits you. But that is an option that you can definitely, definitely look into. So great point. I really love that. Oh, awesome. Awesome. I like to make people think. I, I know I can be a little bit of a radical. <laughs> what I said, I tell people like my days of shaking the table are kind of over, but once in a while I just shake it a little bit and then I'm like, all right, I'm going to shake it. <laughs> shares a lot of wonderful stuff i went through her page i was like i need to have her because i feel like she's going to speak truth to a lot of different things as well but yeah so our first question just laying the foundation mental illness mental health what's the difference because i feel like people just intertwining it so a lot of people think that mental illness or pretty much everything that deals with the mind is mentally it has something to do with being mentally ill i can have anxiety but that doesn't mean i'm mentally ill you know what I'm saying? Anxiety, even though it is, I always get this part tongue-tied. It's always so hard for me to describe this part because it's it's such a conglomerate. It's, everyone looks at it as one big ball, mm. and the layers are so thin. They so, you you can't you sometimes can't tell the difference. Mm. I don't know if you'd be able to break it down a little. Because for me, it I always get confused or get people confused when I explain this. So I don't know if you want to try shooting at it yeah. first. 
definitely. So I think the, the simplest way I look at it is mental health has to do with your entire body, your, your entire person, your, the way you think, the way you feel, just the way we act, your emotions and all those things. That is your mental health. That's something where people always like, you know, have a, take a self-care day where you kind of just yes. do the things you love, where you just kind of just take a break, disconnect, take an Instagram break where you're disconnecting because it's affecting the way you think and all that, right? And then when we look at the mental illness part of it, it's whereby, let's say, for example, your brain or you don't, it's a shifting in what should be normal, right? Just like we would say, oh, I have a headache. You know, it's an illness. I think sometimes people, when they hear the word illness, they expect something so severe that it does not even have to be all of that. It could be something as simple as, you know what? Hey, so mental illness, I'm dealing with depression. And again, depression is so different for so many different people, even how it manifests, that it's like what it looks like in person A could look very different in person B, right? And there are some people who just have brief episodes and it's kind of done. And then there are people who like for their entire life, they have to deal with, you know, major depressive disorder and have it for the rest of their life. So it's about the difference in whereby mental illness is the illness, like the depression, whatever it is that you're trying to deal with that's abnormal from your day to day. And then the health is how do you take care of yourself? How do you feel your overall self? Just like once a year, you would go to your doctor, right? Perfect. For your physical checkup. I think that it plays the same thing. Like once a year, or every once in a while, we're doing a fabulous job at it right now in terms of, you know, self-care saying, hey, I just need a minute. I feel like I need a break from all of this. So that's how I break it down um, and as simple as possible. That gives the complexity of the combining of it. Yeah. I think the way you described it was uh, pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. uh, I think sometimes how we look at it, and when I say we, I mean people who are not like educated in the field of like therapy, they look at it in the, in the sense of... Um, Oh, anxiety and depression, everybody has that. So uh, yeah, it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's say I was schizophrenic or, you know, yeah, they look at those as, oh, those are the the the, the illnesses that are real, real illnesses, you know? Mm -hmm. but, um, I like the way you explained it. I think that that's a good separation of how you take care of your entire body versus the actual illness itself. So. Yeah. And there's two distinct things. And I, I love what you said about how, like, you know, we only think if somebody is schizophrenic, then it's a big deal. It's a big case, right? But it's like, oh, depression. And I'm not saying depression is in the world, but I'm just saying that it's also something that is outside of what the normal functioning of who you are is, right? So how do we then begin to, how do we begin to have conversations and normalizing it? I was part of a clubhouse conversation today with one of my really good friends. And she, she said it out loud, like, I struggle with anxiety. And I was like, that is so real because I know for me, like, before we started this thing, full disclosure, I was telling my husband, I'm about to have a little panic attack because if Instagram does not work, my anxiety is going to go through the roof and I just can't handle this. I can't, right? Um, and I think that's actually even a segue into the next piece of it, how, you know, for me, um, I've had periods of my life where I've struggled with depression. Like, it's been a real hardcore thing. And, you know, my husband came along and I love him, but, you know, he's your typical African man who's like, <laughs> okay, you know, you can do it. And I'm just like, but it doesn't work like that. Like, these are all the things that I have, um, you know, going on with me and these are all the things that I feel. I'm sorry. So I think in the end of the day, the question that we want to target tonight is how can you support a spouse mm -hmm. that is you know, dealing with mental illness, like, what are some things that you can do as the spouse who is dealing, you know, who is the caregiver, and I hate that word to say, or the spouse who is 
in the relationship and having to manage the mental illness. Like, let's say, for example, with depression, you know, when I was going through my phase with Dave, I did not want to get out of, I didn't want to get out of bed. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to pick up my phone. Just don't bother me. I don't want to be bothered. Right. And then it's like, then I have a husband who it's like, at the time we just had a new baby. He has to figure all these things out. So I guess my question is, what are some, if you had a young couple that came, a young wife that came to you, like, you know what? Hey, I'm going through this. I need some ways to, you know, support my husband through the season or ways that I can remain healthy in terms of my mental health. Like, what are some things that you would suggest? Well, first of all, it's very important to have that conversation with your partner. The last thing you want to do is go back and like maybe like a therapy session or label them as something without having a conversation. Um, that can determine whether or not your spouse or how your spouse trusts you going forward and um, that can potentially destroy your relationship so of course having a relationship first that's one of the most important things once you guys have an understanding and to be honest in some cases some spouse some spouses may not even acknowledge the fact that there's a change that they're acting differently in a situation like that i would always recommend a spouse to seek help like go to a therapist yourself this is what my husband is experiencing know how to handle this how do i handle this now here's the clear distinction guys make sure that you are going to a therapist and not a coach people tend to look at the fact that some therapists may charge a lot they may not take insurance and a coach might be charging like 150 dollars. no there is no true substitute for someone who can help you diagnose a coach cannot diagnose a, only a therapist can diagnose you see that therapist explain what's been going on and the therapist can do two things one they can tell you what to do or um sorry i mixed it up one <laughs> uh they can uh convince you or get you to try to book an appointment with your partner or two they can write a letter on your behalf to your partner to say hey this is what your wife has been experiencing and she needs your help to come up with a solution mm. that will best help her know how to deal with you, so to speak. I know that's kind of complicated. Um, so let me kind of say that again. The therapist can write a letter on your behalf saying, hey, your wife has come into work with me. Uh, she has posed that you have some issues. Well, no, maybe not have some issues, but you uh, may be going through a little difficulty right now and she needs help um, your help assisting her uh, with figuring out how to handle this new change. Whenever a therapist puts the responsibility on a, um, a patient, uh, well, when you give them that responsibility, it kind of puts them in a position of, I don't want to say power because it's a strong word, but it gives them the power to say, you know what? I see, yes, you're right. My wife is struggling. I'm going to come in because I want to help my wife. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So now, just to kind of put it out there for those who are just joining, I am not yet a licensed therapist. I'm still in my studies, but uh, this is things that I've encountered on a regular basis. I've had wives who come to me instead of going to a therapist, and I will be the first one to refer you to a therapist. Uh, for me, it's not so much about the money, and I've seen coaches take people's money and fill their heads up of crap. You know, I've gone into clubhouse rooms, and I've seen, oh. I have seen the coaches trying to diagnose people. Like, I don't do that. If I see something that is out of my realm, I will find you the therapist. Like, I will, 
I got director. You just you just tricked me a little bit with that because my <laughs> husband and I even have this conversation. Like everybody's an expert now. Like everybody. No, no offense. I mean, it's a great platform, but I feel yeah. like everybody is an expert. And I'm yeah. like, even as a licensed professional, you know not to diagnose anybody on that platform. You know not to even suggest. You know, but, it's like maybe, but ultimately they should be seeing somebody who is licensed or somebody in an office gets an appointment. Like that is not the platform, but you just triggered something to go okay. That's a whole <laughs> <on> Instagram live, <laughs> girl. Like I've had to unfollow people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I see everything on Clubhouse. I see single women telling women how to get married. And I'm like, look, you know what? <laughs> Let me get off of this app. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what is so hard right now in this season, just being able to navigate that, right? Like in terms yeah. of I, my, my spouse is dealing with mental illness and this person is telling me that they're going to be able to help me, right? So just how do you navigate that process of finding that help and finding that support, you know, for your spouse as well? And I think I like what you said about just having that relationship where a conversation can be had with your spouse. I know that most times a lot of... Um, a lot of couples go through this phase where they don't really want to tell each other what's going yeah. on, right? Sometimes it's the, I don't want to burden them with my problems because they probably have so much of their own going on that we forget that we are a team, right? And having to carry that all on your own sometimes is not healthy. And just having those open conversations where you can be like, okay, how can I support you? And I think that's a good question to ask sometimes, like, how can I support you? Like, what do you need me to help you with to get through this season, right? Mm -hmm. And being able to really move past that. But yeah, I, I agree with the relationship piece of it as well, because that's a very important piece in just the whole dynamics of being married. But what if somebody is, um, I'm just going to throw a very controversial question out there. So let's say somebody just says, you know, I know that I'm struggling with depression. I haven't gotten out of bed in weeks. My husband doesn't know what to do, but I'm just going to keep talking to my best friend because my best friend gives me the, my, my girlfriend gives me <laughs> the greatest advice ever. And I only trust her because some of the stuff that are making me depressed has to do with my marriage. What advice would you give to that person? Well, first of all, um, if that best friend is not recommending therapy, then that best friend does not have your best interest at heart. Mm. Uh, she, she, she might mean well, but you know, no, it doesn't work like that. Um, my straight advice would be no. Your your best friend is not a therapist. I don't care how well they know you. You guys mm. could have grew up in the country together, like with the same school or whatever. Like, no. Um, someone who does not have the experience, and some people will tell you, oh, but they went through this, I went through this, they went through this, they can help me. It's not the same. Mm therapist is going to be able to sit you down and depending on your needs and I'm the type of person I prefer solution focused um, therapy which is more so where on we, we, we set goals like like you said earlier like you know like how is this going to help you like how what can I do to help you you know um, my favorite the miracle question if you could go to sleep tonight and wake up tomorrow and all your problems disappear, what would your life look like? Mm -hmm. that response, we're going to set that as a goal and we're going to do what it takes to get you to that goal. Okay. Now I understand that it's not always so cut and dry. I understand that there's some situations where it's extremely deep because sometimes spouses may have 
beyond uh, the little anxiety. Well, I don't, even, I don't even want to say little because anxiety is a big deal. But it might be more than anxiety, more than depression. This person may be bipolar. This person may be schizophrenic. How do you handle that? Um, Y'all may not like my answer. But I'm going to make an appointment for my husband if that's the case. You can him. They're like, sir, you're going. Like, we're we not having this discussion. Let's keep, it 100. Let's keep it 100. Nine out of 10, they're not going to want to go. They're not going to want to go. They're not going to want to go. I have yet to see a, a, a couple where both parties are on the same page and it didn't take yelling, dragging, screaming, kicking, whatever. I don't believe in giving ultimatums. I've seen couples do that too. Well, if you don't go to therapy with me, then it's over. I don't believe in giving ultimatums. It, your marriage shouldn't be um, at that point. Like, I don't believe in waiting on until things hit rock bottom for you to find, you know, help. Mm. Once you see things are starting to shift, then yes, reach out for help. And again, as I said before, if you're unsure how to get your partner to sign on or agree with going to therapy, reach out to the therapist yourself. They have different methods, tools that they can use to help you get your spouse into therapy. So it's definitely doable, definitely. I agree. And I, I think that most times we get stuck in this phase where, you know, I want my spouse to go to therapy. They don't want to go to therapy, so I feel helpless. That's actually one of the questions. What if your partner or spouse does not want to go to therapy? Like, what should you do, right? They don't want to go. They're, they're not interested whatsoever. And for me, there's a terminology I learned a while ago, and it's called um, having a marriage from sitting in a marriage by yourself in, the, in a love seat, right? So think about it. A love seat is for two people. Two people are supposed to sit in it. And if one couple is like, okay, you know what? It's time to go to therapy. They sit in that seat. And then their other spouse is sitting on the single chair by themselves. And they're like, come on, come sit with me. And they're like, no, I don't want to. I strongly believe um, that you can, from the love seat by yourself, work that situation out with your spouse. At some point mm -hmm. in time, they will come along. Because again, some of the tools that you learn in therapy are things that, we get homework in therapy, guys. There's homework. So oh, you're going <laughs> to get some tools and tips that you can take home and start to apply in that situation. And then again, using the things that the therapist may help you with, like, hey, I need you to come as a support system for me to be able to take our marriage to the next step. So at the same time, I love it, but we don't want to give our spouses ultimatums, right? Like that's, that's kind of like a last resort. In some situations, you have to be like, sir, this is it. <laughs> But our goal is not to get to that place where we're giving each other ultimatums because ultimately we want to respect each other through every season of marriage as best as possible. Somebody sent a question. I'm so sorry. It was on the screen. It disappeared. I don't know where it went. But if you um, please send it again. Again, guys, if you have any questions, please send it. Um, and we will definitely answer them as best as possible. So I know we talked about one, lay the foundation to what is the difference between mental health and mental illness. We've also talked about, you know, if your girlfriend is your best friend and you want to talk to them the whole time, that versus therapy. We've also talked about a little bit about the church. And I think I want to come back into that conversation. Mm -hmm. The topic is Jesus and therapy, right? So why do we, and I, I don't know if you have answers, but why do you think people... Why do you think people have such a hard time? Why do people have such a hard time in believing that you can be a believer and still go to therapy? 
let's keep it 100 indoctrination, indoctrination. Mm. we taught and many for many of us like myself i was like born into the church you're taught this is the line you stay on that line you don't cross that line you don't go behind that line and if you do you're considered rebellious you're mm. a disobedient um it was not accepted as um something that was a uh, okay the answer to everything when i was growing up was prayer and fasting prayer and fasting prayer and fasting prayer and fasting oh you sick you need to go fast not go to the doctor not go to the hospital oh you got your appendix it's busted you need to go fast and pray everything was fast and pray Again, I have nothing against that. I do believe fasting and prayer is imperative. It should be a part of who you are. However, it is not every. Let's just be smart. Let's just, you know, try to use common sense. If, um, I don't know, if you started bleeding, I don't know, from the face or whatever, you wouldn't just go down on your knees and start fasting and praying. You're going to go to the, the hospital to try to figure out why you're bleeding from your face. So we have to be realistic with that. I think, you know, we, it was just a hard pill for them to swallow. And I even look at it from a different perspective as well. Again, power and money. A lot of the times we get, uh, ooh, I really, I'm going rough with some people's feathers. Oh, so. Huh. It's fine. I will, I'll unruffle when you ruffle. Let's do that. You can ruffle okay. and I'll unruffle. So let's do that. Some people um, believe in giving their entire, like, earnings to the church. And the church sometimes feeds on that. They want that money. So they're going to tell you whatever it is they think is going to keep you where you can continue giving that. So if you come to them and say, oh, pastor, I'm hurt. He's going to tell you to fast and pray and throw double tithes or throw a double offering. You know, because if you were to go to the doctor, that's the money you'd be giving a doctor. You know what I'm saying? Now, I could be looking at it from a very drastic perspective, but we see it too often where pastors or ministers are arrested or, you know, caught up in some kind of money scandal. Or worse, you will see the pastor living in this big old mansion and driving the latest Benz, and majority of the church is struggling, you know? So they tend to play mind games and they don't really want whew, let me be careful some don't really want people to get better they want to prey on that and i've seen it firsthand i've seen it in my own family like right now if i tell a particular family member that she shouldn't throw her tithes this sunday or she shouldn't throw her offering this sunday and pay her light bill she could curse me to the floor mm. <laughs> so so i get it i understand it i hope i'm not ruffling too many feathers <laughs> and i think that's what sometimes it's it's a conversation of we ruffle feathers yeah. and then we unruffle right and I, yeah. I and i love the fact that when we choose words we say some and not all because when we say right. all we blanket it and that's yeah. going to become problematic but you know you're yeah. speaking from your experience and what you've seen where people have made decisions that were not in the best interest of you know the 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 person that they were saying they're supposed to shepherd over right so that is factual that happens but i also think that <clears throat> outside of even all of that and again just speaking on perspective and experience I'm going to use like mine. I think because 
most times with mental illness, people don't feel like they can actually see it. It's not something that is physical to the eye that they can see, right? Which is more different from like, like your example, if you start bleeding from your face, you're not just going to sit there. You're going to like go get something to like fix it and get it covered, right? And I think that's the biggest thing that I hear. And I think sometimes how I combat that with a lot of people is I remind them that, and here goes the science geek in me a little bit. We have hormones in our body. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> if those hormones are going to go a little bit wiry, then we get into a place where we have problems, right? So my favorite hormone to use is oxytocin oxytocin right it's called the bonding hormone that's the mm -hmm. hormone that's released when people have sex that's a hormone release mommy's release when they have babies so imagine if somebody's that level is off their mm -hmm. ability to really have that attachment is going to be off it's going to affect a lot there's dopamine there's a yes. lot of hormones that are in our body and i always try to explain to people that what happens when these hormones are a little bit off right that can be caused by stress by so many different other factors in our lives that it can cause mental illness it does not necessarily mean that it does not exist because you cannot see it and the favorite example i love to use in scripture when people tell me well why do you need to go to therapy why do you need jesus because i'm like even jesus used devices to heal people mm -hmm. right? Come on now. Every Jesus used devices to heal people. And my favorite one is the blind man. Like, mm -hmm. Jesus is Jesus. Like, he's the big homie. He don't have to touch you. He don't have, like, there are different parts in the Bible where he just spoke and, you know, healing happened. But in yeah. this story, we see that this man was blind. He picked up sand, spit in it, mixed it together, and then put it on the man's eye. Mm -hmm. He put on the man's eye he did not have to do that right so i think of it like sometimes your healing is going to come through other people i.e a therapist right yeah. the same way we believe and we pray to god when we are for example have a heart disorder have diabetes have that we still pray but we still take our medicine hmm? and we still see the doctor so what is the difference in this situation whereby it's like sometimes especially when dealing you know with mental illness Connect into that that therapist that can support you through that season because mental illness can affect a marriage in so many different ways. And I just think it's so important that we realize that, especially if we want couples to continue thriving. So I'm going to mm -hmm. stop rambling. But yeah. <laughs> You're not rambling. Um, one, another uh, point came to me. It was like um, another big issue is culture. Mm. Um, so I'm Jamaican and, um, growing up, we associated anything with therapy, counseling to, and I'm going to use this word loosely, crazy people. That's the mindset. That was the mindset. You have to go to therapy. You have to see a counselor. Then you're crazy. You're crazy. Um, when we were, um, when I was in school back home in Jamaica, we used to have, uh, guidance counselors, mm -hmm. but our guidance counselors weren't literal counselors they literally just helped us with our classes or whatever it wasn't like someone who i could go and sit down and pour my heart out to because that was mm -hmm. so terrible. people did not do that at all you were encouraged to like get over it you know keep your feelings in if you wanted to talk to a friend you do it quietly uh but you know you were deemed crazy so the same category that they would put someone who has bipolar in is the same category they would put someone who had a spat with their spouse and they don't know how to figure it out. Oh, mm -hmm. you must 
crazy. You must be crazy because your marriage isn't right. Like, and now, you know, you can't use that word crazy. It's triggering. I'm saying it and I'm triggering myself, mm. you know, but that's kind of, it's a cultural thing. I don't know how it is for you. Um, I know that our cultures are somewhat similar. I mean, respectfully, we all came off the same boat. <laughs> Let me stop. <laughs> so our cultures are pretty similar i'm actually i just did my ancestry dna i'm waiting to get my results and i just feel some ghana in me i just i don't feel it i just i'll give you ghana jollof rice but we're not even gonna get into that battle in this conversation but yeah i got you when you have some done you come get some ghana jollof rice (laughs) yes girl (laughs) i do believe it's a big cultural thing because here in the states um or better yet, when I started my um, schooling, one major thing that I noticed was that all these big named people in therapy were all white men. You would find probably maybe one woman here or there, and they felt like they had the answer to everybody's situation. And the biggest takeaway that I noticed was that there was not enough representation of people who looked like me and you. Mm. So it didn't help that we already thought it was taboo. We didn't see anybody like us doing it. We thought it was just for white folk and white people are crazy and all this other stuff. And we kind of block it off. As unfortunate as 2020 has been with all the murders and the things, the silver lining in all of that is that it opened a lot of people's eyes to see that therapy is not a bad thing. And um, I believe that our culture is slowly starting to shift and we are going to have the necessary tools to be able to help our spouses. Because as I tell people, it's not going to be sunny all the time. You mm. might be today, relationship might be on point, but tomorrow you might get up and you don't feel like yourself anymore. And your husband is going to have to figure out how to deal with that. Or it might, might be vice versa, and you have to figure out how to do what you're It's not, marriage is not nonchalant in the sense that things change and you get up and leave. That's not what it's about. You made a vow, it's till death do you part. Mm. Now, I believe there are some exceptions to the rule, you know, but someone changing and having a mental condition does not give you permission to walk away from the relationship right off the bat. Okay, so culture, yeah, that's the point I was trying to make. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I, I think that's actually a good, good point you make in terms of how just culture molds how we look at things and how we view things and what we're willing to do. And <clears throat> so I went to grad school because I wanted to help black and brown people. Like that was the honest truth. And I wanted to help people in my community, the Ghanaians, because around me, I did not see healthy, happy marriages. And I was like, whoa what is going on how do we have better conversations and better marriage because especially as a believer if we believe that god has called us to this journey of marriage then we need to figure this out somehow or some way and you're right there's not a lot of us like there is not a lot of us i remember when my husband and i were trying to go to therapy and i'm sitting here trying to find a black male christian therapist i was like trying to find a needle in a haystack like i could not find it at all and I was just like this is really sad and I think that to that degree it becomes where let's even kind of go off topic come back on topic a lot of parents you're Jamaican I'm Ghanaian are not encouraging their children to go into our field no they're not so I remember when I started my master's degree somebody told me why would I get such a stupid degree 
literally like that they were like why would you get such a stupid degree like it's useless like we don't believe in going to therapy even with marriage week this week you know i posted the fact that we're doing a giveaway just a little plug-in we're doing a giveaway with the hopes of raising a thousand dollars to give a couple five sessions of therapy with a therapist because we know the importance of that and i had people who were like we don't believe in this stuff like who does this and i'm just like but it's so important and that is the problem right that yes we can have our friends we can have you know people that we can tap into and who can support us but at some point in time they has to be that break was like, okay we need a neutral party somebody that does not know our community somebody who's not attached to us somebody who has been trained to take apart relationship dynamics and look at this and teach us how to change things, right? Because part of marriage is relearning. Yes. Relearning a lot of things that you did not do before. Like you are two different individuals. You may have similarities that drew you together, but for the most part you are, and the Bible says, and the two shall become one. So in that process of becoming, there are going to be things that you have to unlearn to then learn together. So, you have to be able to do those things in that way. But yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. No, I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, in, the misconception is that you get married and everything stays the same. Mm. You just, you just, or you change your last name and that's it. No, like everything changes. When I first got married, my mindset was more like, okay, I'm married, but I'm gonna still do me. And I'm gonna tell him what I want him to do. And that's just how it's gonna be. Girl, how long did that, how long did that last for? I think my husband just got to like a point where he couldn't take it no more and he kind of put his foot down. He's like, look here, let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> he had to break it down for me. And to be all completely transparent, we ended up going to therapy within the first year of our marriage. And in all fairness, I've um, my research has shown me that the first seven years of marriage are usually the hardest. So um, in our first year, we went to therapy. We were able to see things, you know, in a different light. I remember I must have got under my husband's skin so much because people who know my husband, he's a jovial person. He's always joking, joking too much, in my opinion, to the point where it takes me off. <laughs> but, like, but this is not but, funny. Why are you laughing? Like, I'm not laughing. Was, so why are you laughing? He yeah. was so serious with me that night. I remember he was so mad. He was storming out the room and mm. he punched the wall. And he punched the wall so hard that the light went out in that section of the house. Wow. He had to go outside and flip the, the switch. What do you call that? Switch box? Yeah, the switch little... box. And I was like, oh, he mad mad. Like, oh, he... mad. <laughs> so, you know, it really forced me to look at things from a different perspective. And we went to therapy for that. And I was forced to take off my narrow blinders because this mm -hmm. is kind of what it was I couldn't see anything around me it was just what I wanted to see and I had to take those blinders off so I could say oh what's up <laughs> you know so um therapy helps it does but if you're not gonna put the work in don't waste your time exactly don't don't waste your time. If you want to be able to make it work, especially with the spouse who is struggling with men mental illness, you have to be transparent to the process. You have to be open. And I don't really know any therapists that don't give homework. <laughs> so you have, homework. To, you have to do the work. There's no way around it. So if you just want to go to a therapist just to say you went to a therapist, don't waste your money. Don't. Just forget it. You have to be able to put that work in. <clears throat> You're so, I, for, so my thesis paper, that's the last line I put. I put, 
the onus of change is totally on the couple. And we are just mere catalysts help change in that process along, right? That you have to want it. That's why whenever I, I, I talk with couples, I'm like, do you want your marriage to change? If you want your marriage to change, it can change. If the both of you want this to change, it can change. And it can look very different if you're willing to put in the, the work. work. It's going to require work. It's going to require you, you know, like you said, taking off your blockers and being able to see, oh, I didn't see this because I was just so blindsided and focused on just this vision that I couldn't see any of this, right? And I wasn't willing to acknowledge all the things that were going on all around me. So I, I think that's a really, really great point um, in regards to that. There's a question. Oh, we have a few questions. Okay. So the first one is, what if your spouse has an aversion to therapy due to the fact that they tried it and did not work? That's a good I have question. A perfect analogy for that. So I know I have an issue. I'm going to admit it. Um, hi, my okay, name girl. This is a, this is a safe yes. space. Go ahead. Hi, your name is? Hi, this is Lisa, and I have an addiction to Amazon. Yes, I said it. I always got a package coming to the house. That's me. So you wanted them, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so when we purchase stuff off Amazon, and I'm sure it's probably happened to everyone here at least once or twice, um, you let's say you purchase something and when the package comes, you open it, it's not what you ordered or it's not exactly what you thought it was going to be. Do you just keep the item and just forget about it? No. You're going to return it and either ask for a refund or you're going to ask them to exchange it for something else. It's the same thing with therapy. One, one size doesn't fit all. Mm. I encourage people to treat therapy like they would shoe, stop, shoe, stop, uh, shoe shopping at a DSW. You walk into a DSW, you see a whole array of shoes that you could try on, different color, different styles. You see something you like. You don't just take it up and take it to the cashier and pay for it and leave. You put it on, you walk around in it, look at your feet in the mirror, you do a little strut, you do your thing. And if it's comfy, if it feels good, you know, you take it uh, to the cashier. If not, you try to find something else. And sometimes you don't find anything at all and you leave empty handed. It's the same thing with therapy. You're going to go in with an open mind with the intention to learn and, and gain the necessary tools to fix your situation. But if it doesn't feel like a good fit, you could tell the therapist straight up, look, I don't really think this is a good fit. Straight, simple as that. At the end of the day, you're the one that's spending your money, okay? So if you don't want to spend your money there, you, you don't have to. There are some therapists who are even nice enough to say, okay, I didn't work for you. Let me recommend you to someone else who I yes. can So don't be boxed in with the idea that it's a one size fit all. And because I did it before, I'm not going to do it again. And I don't like it. I don't trust therapists. No, 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 no. My encouragement would be to even use my analogy. Like uh, people steal my analogies all the time. I need to like copyright your stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, use my analogy if you want to. Let your spouse know, look, you don't just buy, you know, a pair of shoes and don't try it on. Like, you know, give them an opportunity to look at it from a different perspective and even give them like, provide some kind of incentive. Okay, babe, come with me to this new therapist and I'll make you that dish you like. You know, it's the least I could do for you coming out of your way and doing something that you're not comfortable with. Come to this therapy session with this new therapist and, you know, come with the open mind and I'll make you that dish you like, mm. you know? And for some some couples, incentives look different. Sorry, 
oh, what's going on? Oh, <laughs> so for some couples, the incentive is food. That would be for me. I love food. Um, for others, it could be the new PlayStation. You know, it could be um, a trip to the nail salon. It could be anything. You know your partner. You know what they like. You know what they love. Use that as an incentive and say, hey, if you go to this one and you don't like it, I won't bring you to another one until I find one you know you will like. Like, I'll do the work. I'll put the work in and try to find one. You know, so that could be that. I don't know if you had an answer for that. Yeah, I think you brought up a lot of really good points. What I want to add to that is sometimes just having a conversation about what didn't they like about that phone therapist. Like, what was mm -hmm. the thing that turned them off, you know, and really talking through that. And sometimes you'd be surprised that here's the, here's the hard pill that to follow. You can't just also go around just finding a therapist that gave you homework that made you think, right? <laughs> Where it's like, okay. <laughs> This is an issue. You have to deal with it. And I think if you see enough patterns where you see yourself quitting on a therapist over something they keep telling you, that means that's an area you need to really start unpacking and be willing to grow from because it's something that you've not dealt with. But we're going to do one more question because I know it's 8 o'clock and I wanted to honor the time. I know Super Bowl Sunday in my house, we are soccer fans. So I'm sorry for everybody who's like trying to watch yeah, this and watch this. Soccer fans are too, you know, yeah, still trying so. to figure out what this weird shaped ball does. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> my husband's soccer, he's a soccer guy. So like, yeah. people are like, you really going to do Super Bowl? You're going to do Super Bowl? And I'm like, I'm sorry. And my household is soccer. It's not football. Yeah. So here we go. <laughs> yes, we're talking about Jesus <laughs> and therapy on Sunday. If you can come, come. If you can't, watch it later. But the, <laughs> the other question was, here we go. Oh, what are some triggering questions you might want to avoid asking when your partner, I guess the question, when your partner is dealing with mental illness? I think that's what the question is. Uh, I think one, any, I think any question that begins with a why. Because when you start a question like, why do you, or why did you, or why, 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 it leaves the impression that the person did something wrong. Mm. mental illness is not anyone's fault in some cases as we said early it could earlier it could be a, um, a biological thing you know there could have been different reasons that triggered a, a mental illness episode or something so you never want to place any blame on the person for that so the whys never ask a question with why um you what's another triggering one um uh, I think that's the biggest one for me, you know, taking an understanding approach and um, trying to understand where they're coming from uh, by asking, you can ask uh, simple questions like, you know, how do you feel? And, and some people for that, it's triggering asking them how they feel. But again, you, you have to know your spouse. Every spouse is different. You can ask your spouse, how do you feel? You know, um, is there anything that I can do to help you? When you show that you're in this with your spouse, they might not cave right away, but eventually they will feel like they have a safe haven in you and they can come and rely on you because you've presented yourself as a support for them. Because not because you're married means your spouse is going to tell you everything. You know, like my, my spouse had bottled up a lot of what he was feeling from the pandemic because he felt like if I knew it was going to worry me, you know, so a lot of the times we have to just show our spouses that we're there for them so they can feel comfortable enough to open up to us. So I, I want to ask a follow-up question, but I want to answer <clears throat> the state, your statement on the, how do you feel, right? Mm-hmm. If you ask somebody, how are you, 
and how do you feel some people don't even know how to break down that break it down like feel, mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. I, so mm -hmm. there's, there's a difference i'm not asking how are you i'm asking how do you feel yeah right and there's a, the difference that i see with that is how are you or i'm having a good day i'm mm -hmm. fine how do you feel i'm feeling kind of sad today i'm feeling right. happy today you know it's yeah. an emotion that is tied to that yeah. and I just, for those of you who are married just really try it like ask how do you feel and how are you and really see if you can even get those two things separated because most times yeah. we combine them so much that we don't realize that how do you feel and how are you are two separate different things one has to do yeah. with your feelings and one has to be a state of your being in that yeah. moment so definitely try it out um as well i forgot what the second thing i was going to say but <laughs> it's okay it's 803 and i'm i'm trying to be really good with people's times but I just want to say thank you so much, Melissa, for joining us. Thank you oh, to absolutely. every single thing that you tried. I know it was madness just trying to get us connected on the other page. <laughs> <laughs> and I really hope that Instagram fixes that for you because that is totally bummer. Yeah, totally, totally it's been bummer. happening for a few months now, so I got to yeah. get it fixed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely. And to all of you who joined, thank you all so, 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 so very much for joining. Thank you. Questions. Um, this is going to be on our IG live in a little bit. So if you want to go back and rewatch it, that would be great. While I'm here, I just want to plug in really quick. We've talked about therapy. And the thing, one thing that we did not talk about, but I know Melissa hinted about, is how expensive therapy is. Therapy is extremely expensive. And one of the things that the Lord laid on our heart this year is we do a giveaway every year. But this year, we wanted to do a fundraising that's going to raise $1,000 that's going to go towards giving a couple five sessions of therapy at the premarital counseling or for just for that couple that's in a season of really we need somebody to talk to but we can't afford it we're in a pandemic you know people are really struggling financially in that way so no amount is too small from a dollar to a thousand dollars we will take it but please donate the link to donate is in beyond the aisles bio and my personal bio as well share the link if you donate over a hundred dollars you get a free marriage week t-shirt from our product brand, which is um, Declarations by Beyond the Owl. All right, guys, thank you so much. Join us here tomorrow, same time, for a different conversation. And Melissa, thank you so much, and have a wonderful rest Absolutely. of your evening. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Right. Bye, everyone. Bye.